Um, this is Brad, and uh, he's gonna he's he's gonna be sharing this evening. Big share. So reach out your hands. We pray for Brad. Dear God, help Brad. Hello everyone. Oh, skip I actually just want to pray first, and um, the whole day I've just been thinking, goodness, 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 how good is God? It's um, sure. It's going to be long, eh? <laughs> um, I just want to thank Jesus for His provision. I just want to thank Him for what He's done in my life. Um, I just know that I have nothing without Jesus. I know that all of you, that's, the same thing applies. Without Jesus in our lives, we have nothing. And I just recognize your goodness tonight. Oh, worshiping, that's oh, it's just... So soothing, so exciting, just singing out those words, Jesus never fails. He never fails. And maybe I can share a little bit about that tonight. Um, yeah, this is going to be quite relaxed. As you can see, I'm sitting here. Um, and um, Nina, I'm sorry if I say lots of ums, but I'll really try my best not to. Um, see? <laughs> and all those other things I've been warned not to say. Um, I was actually chatting to Caleb about tonight, and it's weird how when you declare God's goodness and you declare what He's done in your life, um, the devil doesn't, he doesn't smock it, eh? <laughs> he doesn't like it. And, um, I, and I, he often attacks, like, and I actually experienced that on Friday, and um, it was quite a whirlwind Friday, a little roller coaster. But the, the, the good news is that God came through at the end of the day, and it was amazing. And um, yeah, some work that I had thought I had fell through, and then some other work was a bit like on the rocks. And basically, in the end of the day, it just I stuck to what God had promised, and I just declared it, and God came through. So. Just now recently, it's just a story of how God works. Um, yeah. I actually want tonight to be about declaring God's goodness. I think that's a slogan. And that's something that I want to echo through. And if anything you take away from tonight, just know that. As all of you know, I'm actually I'm getting married this month. Like my brother said on Facebook, some of you don't go on Facebook, but um, I can actually say it's happening this month, and it's actually happening three weeks from today. Um, and actually, it's while I was preparing for this and thinking about it, it's actually it's quite symbolic because everything in my life has been, to me, almost pre-marriage. So I'm closing a lot of chapters in my book and I'm actually starting a new book on the 22nd of September and um, 
<laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about what God has installed for Nina and I. And my mom actually came here tonight and was sharing with me beforehand. And, and I was actually thinking about it and she just said, you know, from, from the 22nd of September I stand up here and it almost feels like I'm there already. But I'm not just sharing from Brad anymore. I'm sharing from Nina and I. And I think <laughs> that's going to be big. Um, Nina actually summarized me well the other day when she said she knew she wasn't marrying a guy that has an ABCD kind of life. So what I mean by that is I'm not the white picket fence kind of guy. Um, I'm very aware of God's presence. And I'm at my best when I'm following His promptings and His callings in my life. I suppose what I'm saying is that when you hear God's voice and you are obedient, God opens doors and leads the way. But when, when I have tried in my own, sh I fall short. But more of that later. The true storyteller is actually my dad. And he's sitting right over there. And he's taught me... And maybe I'm just sharing because he taught me that each and every one of us has a story. Each and every one of us has a unique story. And um, don't ever think that your story isn't important. Don't ever think that you don't have something to share. Because your life in itself, you being here today, is something very, 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 very special. So I actually want to start with some disclaimers or points to start off with. Um, <laughs> Some of them may be a little bit funny, but um, I will try not offend anyone tonight, but if I do, I apologize in advance. Um, I have an opinion, and I'm not scared to share it, and this sometimes can come across as arrogant, but that's not my intention. I also don't listen that well, but I'm working on that one. I wear my heart on my sleeve. And there might well be some tears tonight, so please bear with me. <laughs> I'm a firm believer that there is no formula, and each of our stories is unique, but I do believe that we must learn from each other and allow God's wisdom to lead us as individuals, friends, family, and community. I firmly believe that we are meant to live in community with one another and family. And friends play a very big part in our lives. Friends and family to me, it's, it's everything. And I, I must say, Nina and I are very blessed with a lot of... I say a lot of you because I don't know all of you, but <laughs> a lot of you yeah, and other friends in our lives. And it is just such a pleasure to walk a journey with them. And there's some friends of ours that don't know the Lord yet. And I really, I long for the day that they do. And I actually cry about it at night sometimes, just thinking when they're going to be standing here and sharing their story. Um, I'm not going to speak much about accountability tonight. But I would like to state that accountability has been a key foundation in my journey. And I know God has done everything 
but he, sorry, I know that God's done everything, but He puts people in our lives and He molds us. Those people mold us, they guide us. And actually, He just puts people in our lives because He wants us to share our lives with people. As I've said again, and I might say this again, I'm getting married next month. So, I, this month, um, and I need to keep some points for my speech. So, Nines, um, I'm not going to dwell into too much about you tonight, or too much detail. Um, and I must just say, our relationship is amazing, and I'm on cloud nine right now. Um, because I, I have to have something to say on that wedding day. I mean, <laughs> I'm also I'm not sharing today because I've got it all right. I've actually got lots wrong, um, and you'll hear shortly. <laughs> but God has worked with who I am, and I'm the man I am today because of Him. As Gaz said, I like one-liners, and um, I, have, I have to start or share something that I've been grappling with for a while, um, and that is living, knowing that is already ours, is the difference between being a servant and a son. God gives us everything, whether we have earned it or not. Yes. We remain the son, no matter what. Yes. And then finally, we have ownership. And while we were worshipping tonight, actually, I just saw this red carpet being laid. And um, I really feel like tonight there's a lot of people here that you're actually not walking on the red carpet that God's laid before you. And He wants you to. God has a plan for your lives and my life. And what's the point if He puts this beautiful red carpet down and you don't walk on it. So leave, let, hopefully that dwells on you for a while. I think what happens is when you get older, days become weeks, weeks become months, months become years. So my story, I might not get all the facts right, but um, <laughs> I've tried to jot it down per year, but it's a little bit difficult. Um, <laughs> um, most of tonight's actually going to be post-matric or post-99. That's when I matriculated, so I'm giving away my age. Um, but I do want to touch on a few key points from my younger childhood because that's kind of who I am and where I've come from. So I have my family barring one here tonight. Uh, my mom and dad sitting right over there. Um, I'm the eldest of three. My little sister over there. Her nickname is Stinks. <laughs> and my, my brother is living the high life as a game ranger in the Kruger and um, I often get very jealous to his way of life um, I'm a typical pastor's kid um, my dad was once with the Methodist Church many moons ago and I won't go into his whole story but he's busy planting a church right now but I was a naughty little bugger. <laughs> um, and I definitely lived up to that pastor's kid mission. <laughs> and uh, Kel and Luke can probably vouch for that. Um, 
I, got, I actually got brought up in Namibia. I left Port Elizabeth when I was four. And I actually, well, I, not actually, I know I had the best of both worlds. I grew up till the age of 15 in a little dorpy mining town where you could walk to everything. You could ride your bike everywhere. You could, it was just unbelievable. Um, to bring up kids in a place like that is amazing. So us people that are going to bring up kids one day in Cape Town, it's quite a challenge. Well, who knows? I don't know where I'm going to go. Um, I was baptized when I was 10. Very special. And thinking back, I've actually debated should I get baptized again often in my life because I was so young. Um, but I actually rebuke that because you get baptized once. And... Um, the rest after that, it's just part of your story. And yeah, so I got baptized. I am baptized and I'm going to heaven and <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, I told you I might offend you. Um, I've always, as I said earlier, I've always been exposed to God's presence because I've kind of grown up in that. And um, there's been a lot of people that have spoken into my life. Sometimes weird prophecies have come my way, and you just have to bat those ones out. But, um, but my life has very much been one of God's presence being involved, and God speaking to me, and God prophesying over me through people, through pictures, through dreams, through words. So that's always been something key in me. Um, and, and the reason I bring that up is it will come clearer when I start sharing my story a little bit later. Um, I've always been into sport, uh, and I'm very proud, very proud, um, to call myself a jock. Um, although I, 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 I did buy my, new, my first pair of skinny jeans this weekend, so um, it's quite dynamic, I must say. Um, And um, my family, and especially, <laughs> I'm apparently not meant to wear socks with them when you can see the socks. But, um, and then finally, um, on my post-matric years, or pre-adult years, or whatever you want to call them, um, I'm sure my family sitting there, and Nina especially, will vouch for this. Um, I can't sit still, um, I love being busy, I love new things, I love new adventures. Um, the fact that I actually stayed in one company for the last five years um, is a testimony in itself, but I'll touch on that a little bit later. But I think that the reason I'm telling you these things is because it's just, I'm building the foundation so you know who I am. <laughs> and um, you can see I'm shaking and moving my legs because I just can't sit still. Um, So, um, let's start in matric, or, yeah, let's start in matric. Like I said, when I was at school, I, was, I, I went to youth and I, I mean, where's Ian Buchanan? We had pioneering camps and weekends away, and I think often the weekends away was more about trying to woo the women that were on that camp than anything else. And um, we had some fun times, um, but even in those moments, there were amazing moments of prophecy, like I said earlier. Um, but I definitely wasn't, it was like, 
I took what suited me. So it's kind of, you know, on a weekend at church or on a weekend camp, that's what was me. And then when I was with my mates and living my life, I did what they did. And I, I don't know, what's the word, Cal? What's the correct word? You live? No. Um, but I think you get the, you get the picture. Um, I also did the whole matric rage thing. And um, my friends, if you meet them, can tell you all those crazy stories. Um, they, yeah, my, old, my friends have this joke about old Brad and new Brad. And um, that was definitely old Brad. But I think the best summary of the first two years out of school was rugby, score as much as possible, drink and get drunk as much as possible, and then do all three together. <laughs> I think I gave my parents serious grey hairs. Um, I was the typical oldest son and I just went out there. I often remember arriving home after a late jawling night, not even knowing how I got home, but I actually drove. Um, and it, yeah, I think definitely, my dad's only recently been showing the grey hairs, but they <laughs> definitely are there. After my first year out of school, I also attempted to study. And that was my first attempt. Um, it, it definitely didn't go well. Um, <laughs> I tried to do a BCom through UNISA, and those of you that don't know, Eunice, you have to sit at home and you've got to study on your own. You don't see any people. Not Bradley's way of doing things. But, but you'll learn soon. I tried again. Um, so I think I lasted six months. I didn't even write an exam the first year. And I just said, no, this, I want to play rugby. Um, that's what life's about. Um, throughout this, I worked odd jobs. I mean, I think I've done all sorts of jobs. Um, counted flowers. We counted flowers at a at a nursery once. <laughs> uh, Warren, my mate, um, that was quite special. Um, we, I waited a lot, and with the waitering, you made money. So it was money in hand. So you went jolling after waitering, and you mostly spent the money you made that night anyway. Um, so hopefully, I'm painting the picture a little bit here. Um, Christ's life. But I know lots of you that are sitting out there that probably lived similar life. Um, <laughs> um, then, 2001, um, I had this quite amazing experience in a club. I was... <laughs> I was very drunk. Um, it was about 3 o'clock in the morning and I was sitting downstairs on a couch and um, for some reason I just didn't want to be around people that night and, and that's very not me. So um, I went downstairs and I just chilled on this couch and there was literally no one in that area. It was just me. And suddenly out of the blue, God spoke to me. It was like pretty much an audible voice like Moses and the burning bush. And he basically said, what are you doing with your life, Bradley? Um, <laughs> it's time to change a few things. And I was like, ah, okay. I think I sobered up immediately, firstly. And um, I drove home. 
yeah, when I got home, we have a ritual, or we used to have a ritual, I haven't lived home for many years, um, that we'd wake our parents up when we got home. Um, we'd walk, just put our head in the door and just say, I'm home. Um, and I think they'd sleep better after that. <laughs> Often I, I don't know what I sounded like. Um, but this night I, I put my head in the window, in the door, and um, <laughs> luckily the door wasn't closed. There was no funniness. <laughs> um, sorry, Ali, that was for you. Um, <laughs> and I, I said, Mom and Dad, wake me up for church in the morning. And. Um, well, my parents sat up, both of them sat up in bed immediately, and they usually just, good, you home. But this was like, bolt up. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I went to, I went to Kenilworth Vineyard um, Church the next morning, and nothing new to me, because I've grown up in that church, my mom and dad used to be on, ministry, um, on the leadership team there. And um, so, I mean, I knew the people, I knew everything, but I, I went and I actually met, um, some of you might know, a girl named Candy Mitchell for the first time. She just moved down from Johannesburg. And she came running up to me as bubbly and as full of energy as she is um, and basically convinced me to come to church that night at New Song, which, is, which was a church that a lot of us used to go to, yeah. and we used to meet at the River Club. Now, there again, going back a little bit, I had visited New Song when I was in matric as well, but there again, like I explained earlier, I went there when it suited me. So, I knew what it was about. But, now I'm here at church, I haven't been to church properly in, I don't know how long it was, quite a, maybe even two years, I hadn't been in church. And here's this girl, kind of convinced me to come to church the second time in the same day. So I'm like, this is... But she did. And um, she convinced me, and I went to New Song. And basically, for six weeks after that, my life did a 180 degree turn. It just changed completely. Um, so much so that I actually, I actually neglected my old friend's to a degree, and I think sometimes I had to do that because it was so extreme. I mean, I really was extreme. It was, I used to drink Sunday night at Lamed, Tuesday night, man, no, no, Sunday night. Monday night was free. That was our free night. We stayed at home. Tuesday night, there was a drink special. No, we had rugby practice, and then we had drinks after rugby practice at the club. Wednesday, there was a drink special in Claremont um, at another draw. Thursday, we had rugby practice, so we drank again. Friday, rugby was very serious. So Fridays, we didn't drink because we had to play rugby the next day. So that was big. But we often didn't obey that rule. Um, and then Saturday, for those of that Gaz will vouch for this, those of you who have played sport, you have fines meetings, you have... Uh, Saturday is just wild. And then, like I said, you get to Sunday, you recover and wake up at 4 in the afternoon and go to Lamed again. So that was my life for about two years. And... I weighed a lot more than I do <laughs> now. Um, anyway, so my life, I, I, where am I? Um, New Song, six 
six weeks of change, I basically told my friends, cool, my life's changing, so I can't do any of this stuff, and it completely changed. Then I met a girl, um, there's always got to be a girl, um, um, and fell hopelessly in love, and eventually, long story short, for some stupid reason, decided to go work on her parents' farm in Barberton, um, <laughs> while she was living in Cape Town. But, uh, <laughs> idiots. But I was, hold on, I started studying again. Ah, so this was the motivation. Isolation, studying on the farm. Bradley, concert still, on a farm. Stupid idea. Um, anyway, but I went and I lived there for six months. But now in hindsight, maybe God was teaching me how to do long distance. Because you'll realize later, Nina and I had to do two years long distance. So, I don't know, there's little pieces of a puzzle that seem to come together. But anyway, I don't really think it had anything to do with that. But um, <laughs> then I moved back here. And then she decided, no, she wants to go study in the UK. So I'm going, okay, how does that work with me? Like, where do I fit in this picture? Anyway, we, then she moved to the UK, and then we tried to do this long distance thing, and eventually we broke up that December. So, um, and to add on to that, now I've had this amazing experience with God, and I've been on this amazing journey, and I met this girl, and to be honest, about eight months into our relationship, we yet again did things that suited us on certain levels. So we had a fully sexual relationship and um, we lived like we were married most of the time. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not fruitful at all, I've realized um, in my life. I'm not preaching to anyone yet, I'm just saying that's what I realized. And eventually we broke up in December of. Where am I? I've missed a big step here. But I'll come back to that. Um, we broke up, and I'm sure all of you have had a heart throb or had your heart broken, but I pretty much took a year to get over it, and the good news was I wasn't with anyone else in that year, and I became this little, I don't know, um, hobbit, and I stayed to myself. Um, but the bad news is that after that year of getting over her, I, um, I went wild <laughs> again. Um, a lot of people actually don't know I went wild because I kept it to myself quite well. Um, I was still going to church when I moved back or went back to New Song. And, um, but it was wild. Um, Terence, my best mate, and he's going to be my best man at my wedding. He was my wingman. And um, <laughs> we, we, funnily enough, we then moved into a house in Constantia. Um, which was my ex-girlfriend's parents' house. Um, and that was basically like the love pad. Um, it was terrible. Um, we had parties, we invited girls over, it was just crazy. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, in between all of that, I also went overseas for the first time after my 21st, which was incredible. Uh, I'll never regret that, it was really amazing. Um, opened my eyes, taught me a lot. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm just going to catch up with myself here. Alright, so, 
Now, there's a little pattern here, as you can see, and um, <laughs> the whole time through this pattern, what's evident to me is that I didn't have people in my life that I could be accountable to, or people that I could share things with. Although I have my family, and don't get me wrong, they're always there and they're always available, but you don't share everything with your family. <laughs> um, I do now. Things change as you get older. But when you're young, 20, 21-year-old, you kind of want to do this on your own. You want to like get out there and experience the world and all of that. But then, praise the Lord, um, I moved to Woodstock. Oh. Oh. Um, the door opened in 27 Fairview, and boy did the journey begin, um, with Luke and Cal and Craig, and um, at the same time, I, when, I, when I'd moved back from Barberton, I started working at a restaurant called Jake's, and um, I actually ended up working there for about three years, and it was a slog of note, but it taught me a lot. Um, it paid the bills. So I moved into Woodstock, and this was like a breath of fresh air. It was really, well, I lived there for four years. I had the most amazing times there. It was like a boy's house, like accountability deluxe. You didn't even have to say anything. You just knew you were accountable to each other. Yeah. I knew I couldn't bring a woman home to the house. Um, it just wasn't on. You just didn't do that. Um, and I don't think it was ever like we sat down in a room and said, one, two, three, four, you're not allowed to do this, or you're not allowed to do that. We just, we wanted what was best for each other, so we, that, that's what it became about. And I think, like I said, I don't want to punt accountability here, but accountability doesn't need to be forced. It doesn't need to yeah. be something that, here's a formula, do it. It, it. it actually, the best way for me is that it comes naturally. Yeah. And that's what happened. And um, I really did need that time. Um, and through this time, so I'm still waitering, and I'm not really going anywhere in life, and um, <laughs> studying failed, so I, I actually studied for two years solidly, and I passed pretty much everything, and then lost interest, because it was boring, and um, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I think studying isn't really for me, um, which is quite funny, because I'm marrying the most... <laughs> studious boffin in the world um, who's doing a PhD in cancer research. So God's got a sense of humor. <laughs> um, but I'll state this for the record. Our kids will study. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't told to say that. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I started... We have a family farm in Port Elizabeth, because um, we're from PE originally, and um, suddenly we, had, we started looking at it and started wondering, are we going to develop it? And so we went down, and I got very excited, and I've also been very entrepreneurial in mind, and always wanted to do my own thing, and I think it's just new and exciting all the time, so that's where the excitement comes in. And so... Suddenly this idea was there, and you can ask my dad, it was quite a roller coaster. Like, are we going to do it? Aren't we going to do it? At one stage I thought, I'm just going to drop everything and move to PE, and I was going to, I was going to be a multi-millionaire and make loads of money, and now in hindsight thinking about it, I was so excited about the money. 
um, and, the, and the BMW M5 and the, whatever else it was going to bring, but it wasn't even about what I actually wanted, was having my own business to actually, and it's still my dream, is to have my own business to, to advance the kingdom. And yeah. um, that is my goal. And I'll, I believe that that's starting to happen now, so I'm quite excited about where that's going to go. Um, anyway, so that, that's pretty much where the seed was planted for me with regards to property. And I am still in property, for those that don't know. And um, I'll get onto that shortly. Um, as I was saying, I wanted to do this whole farm thing, but now in hindsight, I actually, if I had gone there and tried to do this thing, it probably would have gone belly up because I had no clue what property was about at all. Um, and the last, the last six years, I've pretty much learned what it is now. Um, anyway, the farm is still not developed, but we're still praying, and we'll see where that leads. Then, um, in the midst of this, I think we're in about 2005 now, so just bear with me. Um, I, I also had a few little detours while living in Woodstock as well, with my friend Craig. Um, I used to work at Jake's, and we were joking about this the other day, and basically worked night shift, so that's when you made most of the money. And I'd basically work till like 12, and then we'd usually have a drink at the, at the restaurant afterwards. Um, and often, now I'm on a buzz, I've been working all day, I need to let loose. And um, I'd come home and Craig, I don't know what was Craig doing then, but he was quite free and available. Um, so we'd often go jawling out <laughs> at, at, at midnight till about four in the morning and then come home. And then I'd sleep till about lunchtime and go back to work again. That was my life. Um, quite interesting uh, how things have changed. Um, but now amongst all of this, I went, I, oh, I met another girl, but this was very insignificant because it lasted a month, but I'll, I'll explain that now. But I went on this ministry trip and we went to Namibia. Um, and I actually realized on that trip that this girl that I actually took to my brother's 21st, weird. Um, that it wasn't for me and I must cancel that one and can it and embarrassingly enough I actually dumped her on an SMS um, I told you I'm not perfect um, anyway but then I met so I dumped her and then then I met another girl some of you know who that is um, <laughs> And I fell badly. Um, I thought it was perfect. Um, she loved exercising and sport and training. She believed in God. Um, There's all the signs. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, but in hindsight... She must have been an angel. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, Nina knows all of this, so that's cool. Um, Yeah, um, but I think the reality is that I was just sick of being single, um, and I was sold on the idea of a relationship, um, and eventually marriage, 
So I was doing everything for the wrong reason. <laughs> um, long story short, it was not part of the plan. And God taught me over those next two years um, that a relationship is meant for two stable people, that someone doesn't complete you. Yes. And actually when I met Nina, I actually said to her that I don't need you. Um, <laughs> but which I still believe, but one grows together and you eventually complement each other. Yes. And uh, the thought of not having Nina in my life now devastates me. Um, but I know that my strength comes from Jesus and so does hers. Yes. So those two years, that's what I learned. And that yeah. was really what I needed to learn. So it was incredible. So... It's time to get serious, and it's time to have a career here, Brad. Um, can't keep waiting for the rest of your life. Um, well, you could, but I, I, I did want to venture out and do something. And like I said, I've tried all sorts of jobs, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do until this property seed was planted in me. So by the end of 2006, so that was after three years of working at Jake's, um, I, like I said, I got tired of not really having much direction or going anywhere. Um, but this was, this didn't just come out of the blue. Um, I prayed about it a lot and we actually had a, a prayer group, part of the church, a bunch of guys used to pray every Friday morning. So I just made sure that I didn't work that late on Thursday night so I could actually make the prayer meeting. Um, but jokes aside, we actually met Friday mornings and we prayed about wives, we prayed about careers, we prayed about work, we prayed about everything. Some mornings we, we didn't pray. Some mornings we just had breakfast and spoke rubbish and did whatever. But through that time, I mean, there's guys in that group, some of you know Ray, he, didn't, he hadn't had, met his wife yet. He met his wife and I believe we prayed that to being. Trotsky, another guy, we prayed that to being. So it really was quite a, it had come and I had that prayer meeting basically every single Friday for all three years that I was at Jake's. And it really was impactful. It was really amazing. So me coming to the end of 2006 and deciding, listen, I need to now step in faith, wasn't just from nowhere. It actually had been grounded in something. But it was a step in faith. And, and, so the beginning of November 2006, I decided I'm not, I'm not made for waitering anymore. I want a real job and I'm going to resign to basically, I'd planned this in my head and I'd said I'm going to resign November to, beginning of November to finish end of November so that I have a jaw in December and I start work in January. That was my plan. And then part of the plan was to buy a red bucky. Um, which there's a whole story to now, which I'll tell you. But this red bucky was owned by my grandfather who had passed away. And there we go, the property being in me and wanting a bucky and everything. And it was like my dream to have this bucky and I prayed about it a lot. And eventually I managed to buy the bucky from my, my grand because my grandfather passed away. But it was a quite amazing bucky. Um, my grandfather was a mechanic, not a mechanic, a uh, Fitter and Turner, and he was very meticulous with his hands, as my dad is. Um, so he, he looked after this thing. It was in mint, mint, mint condition. And um, 
I think I bought it for like 35,000 Rand, which is nothing. Um, so it was like everything started to fall in place. So anyway, so November, I didn't know what was happening. By, by the end of November, I basically made a few contacts and I'd been offered a job to start in January. So God had opened the doors, step one. Um, a company called DC and Associates, and I did a small little residential development in Maitland. And I started in my site boots and... I was a foreman running around and I didn't have a clue what was going on. But um, within three months, I was basically the head foreman running the site. Um, and then in another month, they made me the project manager and I basically then was running the whole development. So it was quite a journey. Um, anyway, but now in this, I told you about the red bucky. So January, I have this, my, my plan for December was made. Cool. Tick. I drove down to PE because that's where the bucky was. I picked the bucky up. We went to Reach River, which is Caleb and Luke's parents' holiday house. And we had a blast of a, week, uh, of a, of a December. It was, really, it was like really a celebration of what God had done. And he'd opened the doors. and It was incredible. And, um, but come beginning of 2007, I started working. And... Um, there's lots that happened in 2007. I met my future wife. Um, so I'll touch on that now. But basically, just to finish the Red Bucky story, basically three months into the year, I was praying and God told me to give away the Bucky. And it was hard. <laughs> uh, this is my Bucky. <laughs> I prayed about this and God had given it to me and, and I think it was also hard for the family because like this is grandpa's bucky, you know, like you're giving it away and I think, I don't know, I hope you've forgiven me for it, but I think there were still some bitter feelings about it, but um, I'm sure that's all gone. Um, but I really felt like God had told me to give away this bucky and, and he told me who to give it to as well, as a guy in our church at New Song and I actually felt like I was using someone else's car, and I wasn't. Why? I actually felt so uneasy that I had this car because God had told me to give it away. So I must have. I mean, it's hot. I'm, I'm a materialistic guy. I must be honest, and um, I like nice things in life. And I must have grappled on it for a month, and eventually I just couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't keep it anymore, and so I gave it away. And it was the most amazing experience ever. It really was incredible. Um, and I don't expect anything in return. I don't expect God to give me anything because I gave away something. It was just amazing. Um, the funny thing was, I was, so what we agreed is, because now I didn't have a car, so he gave me this fox, this white fox, that basically had to push start every second time. <laughs> and... It was quite hilarious because now I pitch up on sites and all the laborers are pushing my car and that's how I had to like, yeah. it was very funny. Anyway, the Voxit. Yeah, I think Caleb had to go, Caleb went away and then I eventually used these Beetle and, and like long story short, I actually started at Amdek, company that I was with for five years and I really rocked up in this like, Beetle and then the Fox was there and it broke down and that had a park in the garage for a while. So there were some fun times with Foxit. Um, and but I'm a, as you can't tell if you can't tell by now I'm like I, like I said earlier I don't do things A B C D so 
Uh, but I am very thankful that I had got a job, a real job, um, starting in 2007, because I met Nina. And I don't think she's not materialistic at all, and I don't think it would have mattered. But I think there's an element of, like, you know, guys got to have a job. You know? Um, and the funny thing is, if, if we'd met two or three months earlier, and we've actually spoken about this, I don't know if we would have stayed together, or I don't know if we would have ended up being together, because where she was at in her life, and where I was at in life, it was just, it was all, it was amazing, it was really incredible. Um, I have to tell you how I met her, um, so I'll touch on her that very quickly. Um, the rumor goes that there was a tank... 20. Tank 20 goal. Now, what that means is, I had a home group and in 27 Fairview, and I started this home group, and one night, this girl, well, he was invited by Heather, another friend of ours, who was in our home group, um, pondered in, and she was early, and for those of you that know Nina now, you probably won't think that she's a late kind of person. But when I met Nina, Nina was never early. <laughs> I remember going to the theatre and we had to be in theatre in time and she, she was picking me up and she arrived at 5 to 8 and it was starting at 8 and, and in Woodstock and we still had to get to parking, everything and we basically ran and anyway, but I'm not going to share her story. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that was when Foxit came around, so I didn't have a car. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we met, I was the home group leader, and um, she walked in, and I just, she was like, am I in the right place? And I was, you are in the right place. <laughs> um, and the, the funny thing is that I was still in love with that other girl. Um, and there was a process, and for three months I hid Nina, and I didn't tell anyone about her, which is also weird for me, because I don't do that, I, I'm very like, I, I'm impatient, so, but eventually God, I prayed about it, and God told me that I could pursue this girl, and um, my first date was at a restaurant called Tank, which is a sushi restaurant, which I don't think exists anymore, um, and Nina actually thought that this was a normal home group leader thing to do, and you invite the different peoples of the <laughs> to go for dinner. Um, and now back in those days, I wasn't earning a massive salary, but I think I paid for that dinner for that month. Um, I ate peanut butter the rest of the month. Um, but I went all out. I started with a bang. Hey, love. Um, anyway, so she was 20 years old. That's why the 20. And the guys in Woodstock didn't know about her, so she was the closet, she was hidden. And suddenly she was out in the open. And um, yeah, at, we've been together for over, f what's it now, five and a half years. And like I said, we're getting married this month. Um, anyway, um, so where am I? 2007. So this job, amidst giving away the car, amidst foxits and driving, this gestonk and gedonk, my job ended in September 2007. And 
because the contract came to an end. So, and they were talking about starting some more developments, but um, there weren't enough sales, and so basically my contract ended. And for the month of September, I didn't know what I was going to do for work. So, but praise the Lord, He came through. And the whole time through this, I really thought, you know, I've started a career now, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back to waitering, because <laughs> that wasn't the plan, um, and I wasn't willing to do that. So, and I kind of stuck to that. So I believed in it and I trusted it. And and for September, I actually then got like two house jo house sitting jobs, which basically paid me the same as what my salary did, so it was a miracle. It's a long story about that house sitting September. We, had, we decided to have a big brother event in this house that I was house sitting. I don't think I've house sat that house again. <laughs> um, anyway, but like I said, God really does come through and He really does provide. So what happened was by the end of September, I got another small contract for three months till the end of the year with a very small contractor. And to be very frank and very honest, this oak was nowhere. Um, it was the it was the Bucky Boulder personified. It was terrible. It was I learned how not to do things. Um, anyway, but thankfully, what happened is while I was there, I got an interview at Ambec, which is a company that I was with for five and a half years. Now, you guys, you've got to realize that, remember I started studying, I never finished, and I've never studied anything about property either, so I studied a BCom in economics, and I still don't know what that's about. Um, but, <laughs> my whole career, God, I haven't, I haven't got the studies that I need to get into the jobs that I've got into, um, so God really... <laughs> has been involved in every step of the way. And so I got a job at MDEC and I started in January. Um, and the first six months of that job, I thought I was in heaven. I thought, this is amazing. My salary was basically double what I was earning the previous year. Um, and everything was just falling into place. Um, at the time, New Song Church that we belonged to, I mean... The community and everything there was really amazing. I had this amazing girlfriend. That was awesome. Um, so like, you know, in a, in a man's mind, you're like ticking off all these little things. And you're like, cool, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm on the right track. Um, and then the curveball of Johannesburg came. Um, and um, I'll never forget... The night that I told Nina about this Joburg stint and on the couch in her flat in Rondebosch and it was tears and Snorkin Tirana and it was hectic. But I'm Brad. <laughs> no, this time it was you love. Um, I, I I'm the teary one in this relationship. Um, but this time it was Nina. And what happened was I um, I was asked to go and help up with a big project in Johannesburg for six months. And basically those six months ended up being two years. Um, and from a career point of view, it was amazing. It was really incredible. God taught me so much. But what was happening at the same time from a church point of view, and I must touch on this briefly, because it explains the next stage of what I went, in, went through. I am putting this all together, I promise. Um, 
So, New Song Church, I'm not going to go into the details, but it got quite messy and weird, and then there was leaders from the other parent church, but to be frank, I didn't think it was being much of a parent, but that's a whole other story. Um, and basically the church, I was on the leadership team by then, and we had decided and we prayed about it a lot, and we thought like the church had been running, and the, guy, the guy, main guy that started the church, um, he wasn't there anymore. So we as a young, new leadership team thought it's time to close the doors, but it's time to rebrand and to rethink. And our actual intention, well, definitely my intention, was to start fresh and start new again. Um, and this whole thing was very complicated because it was the communication was terrible. A lot of the people that went to the church, Kath's nodding her head. Um, no one knew what was going on. And in a way, me going to Joburg was my little escape because I didn't have to deal with it. So I ran to Joburg. And I remember at the time, I was actually very angry. I, was, I remember playing a touch rugby game, and Gaz can probably remember this. And I got so angry that I hit someone. I got into a fight. And I mean, I must be honest, in my rugby days, I was a scully and I was the first to pull someone's scrum cap off or do whatever. And that's how I played rugby. But that, I'd gotten beyond that. I'd gotten over that. Got, to, got that out of me, you know. Got that. But I was so angry that I think all of that just came out. And I'll never forget pelting this poor guy in the face. And Nina was there as well, so Nina's seen it all. Um, um, and she's still with me today, which is amazing. Um, anyway, so I went off to Joburg, and I must be honest, Joburg was like an island for me. I, I, I struggled to find a church while I was there. Uh, there are lots of reasons. I mean, I used to, basically every second weekend for two years, I'd fly back to Cape Town to see Nina. Um, so it's very hard to, <laughs> you're living a life apart, but you're not, and you, it, it was very, it was a hectic time. But I like neglected the church, and I neglected God, and I just thought I could do this on my own, and my career was going very well, things were just happening and falling into place, and I thought, I could do this on my own, and remember I said I had this prayer group that I used to have, well, suddenly I didn't have that anymore, and suddenly I went to Joburg, a new big city, and it's a big city, and it's materialistic, and it's, it's hectic, and I'm not saying don't go live there, but for me it was just a whirlwind of everything for the wrong reason. And, um, and, but God's taught me through all of that and I'm much stronger for it. So I'm not denying what that meant. But anyway, then 2010, so we're actually nearing 2012, guys. I'm getting there. Is everyone with me still? You're, you're awake. Um, the whole of 2010... <laughs> was actually like me convincing my company to send me back to Cape Town because they had said I was going to be there for six months. Then it got extended to a year and now it's going to be another year and they actually wanted me to stay any further. And, and to be honest, from a career point of view, probably it wasn't a bad idea to stay there because uh, the project that I was working on is amazing. Um, but I knew that my life wasn't just about my career. My life was balanced and... There was other things important. And, but that, and Nina can vouch for it, it was quite a, one minute I was totally sold and coming back. The next minute I was like, Nina, you come up here. And then when Nina thought I was over it, then I'd 
bring it up to the surface again, and then we have to deal with that. Um, and I think it makes, makes our relationship stronger because we've gone through all of that, so that's incredible. But 2010 was a real fight, like a, a fight for me to basically say to the guys, guys, you asked me to come for six months, I've now almost been here two years, I want to come back. And I suppose now in hindsight what I've realized, I was fearful because I'd started to rely on myself to provide for myself. And I had forgotten that God provides. And in that, I was so fearful that I wouldn't have a job and I wouldn't have money and I wouldn't have... And um, so I think that was very much in the back of my mind, a fear. And, um, but anyway, I eventually did move back. And there again, moving back here was incredible. Um, the first six months was amazing. I mean, living in the same city as Nina again. Started cycling, and I used to go cycling around the Cape Peninsula, and I think for the first three months I took photos every time I went cycling, because I was just like, Cape Town, this place is amazing, it's beautiful, it's incredible. Um, so, 20, so, where are we now? 20, so 2011 I came back, January or December, and then January started in the Cape Town office again, and this is 2011 last year. It, 2011 was, wow, well, was the highlights of my life and the lowlights of my life. It was incredible. And um, obviously, Nina and I have been apart for two years. We had to. We took the first six months to really just get to know what it's like to live in the same city again. And I think we had to work through that. And we also wanted to find a church. Um, and what was amazing is. We eventually did land on Woodstock, so that was awesome. And that in itself was a journey. Um, but we wanted to be intentional and we wanted to have a purpose. So I'll never forget Easter Camp 2011. Um, Nina and I went along and it was incredible. It was, God just spoke to both of us and it was just, it was really like a welcoming home Easter. It was, for me, it was amazing. Um, being part of this community as well and just I'd lived here before and I'd come back again and it, it was just really like a coming home party in a way for me and but then like I said 2011 was a weird year because I then did a course I got asked to do a course which is a PDP property course in July last year and I've been dreaming about doing this course for four years and the course in itself cost about 30,000 Rand and then they put you up in a hotel in Cape Town, and that's another 25 grand. So the company pays for it all, which is quite a hefty amount to pay for someone to go and study for two weeks. Um, but it really was like a mini MBA, and I dreamt about it. And I actually never thought they'd ask me to do it, because there were other guys in the company that deserved it. Well, I thought they deserved it more than I did. And there again, God just opens the doors. And... I've actually made so many contacts just through that, um, it's been incredible. Um, anyway, following that, we went overseas on holiday to London, and there's the highlight of the year. Um, I asked Nina to marry me on the 15th of August, 2011. Um, and holiday, I call it the engagement honeymoon, <laughs> because we lived, there was no one else there. We lived with Nina's sister, who lives in, the, in London. And we could just soak it all in, and we could just go with the 
flow, you know, just no one had to bother us or bug us or anything like that. It was really amazing. Anyway, but then, then I came back and came back and basically I got off the plane at about 9 o'clock on Tuesday morning. I walked into the office at 10 o'clock and my CEO phoned me as I was walking in with my laptop bag on my shoulder and I walked in and he said, where are you? I've just arrived back. No like, congrats, welcome back, nothing, just like, where are you? So I was like, I'm walking to the office, I'll come see you now. So I went and saw him and that was the Tuesday and I basically got told that I was useless and I won't use the words that were spoken over me because it was disgusting. But I was basically told, how could I have gone on this holiday? You've just gone on a course. Um, and I'd actually told them that I was going on holiday before they sent me on the course. And I said, it's going to be a month that I'm not there. So are you happy with that? Because I'm not cancelling my holiday. <laughs> and they were like, yes, no, that's fine. So um, I won't go into him too much, but he's, I believe he's bipolar because he changes his mind often. But basically, so what happened Tuesday, I get crapped out, told that I'm useless, told that I'm not worth anything um, and get drummed this into me. So now, 2011, amazing year, amazing course, just got engaged, walk into this and I'm like, what is going on here? So, it's a bit of a weird one. Anyway, Wednesday, and this is why I say I think he's bipolar, Wednesday we have a meeting and we all get called in with the projects team that's around. And I get told that I'm heading up the team, and I've been promoted, and now I must run this team. So, so now already, my mind is like, this is weird. <laughs> what? Where? Like, yesterday I was about to get fired, today I'm promoted, what's going on here? This is out of this world. So, anyway, I got promoted, so the rest of the week went okay. But I'm still living this, like, what is going on here? And um, but basically they asked me to do a job. And they asked me to do three people's jobs. So they didn't have the resources. And they didn't know who to ask. So they asked me. So I was thrown in this, like, pool of, like, not really. I worked. When I got into the office at 7 in the morning, left at 11 at night, I worked like that for like two months and, and I got crapped out every single day because I wasn't doing a good enough job and I was told how useless I was. So, my mind I'm going, <laughs> career has been amazing, 2011 has been amazing, um, what is going on here? So, what it basically ended up in is November... 15th of November last year, some of you know, I had a nervous breakdown. And I don't wish I don't wish it on anyone. <laughs> it is the scariest it's the scariest thing to go through. I I didn't know where I was. I was walking around in the shoprite checkers and dwelling around and I didn't know who I was and then she drove and parked my car somewhere and then I just burst into tears and I was, it, it was like an out-of-body experience and I eventually phoned, um, I phoned my boss and he came to, not, not my CEO, but 
my boss that I directed, and he was a lovely man. Um, and he came to meet me there, and he sat with me in the car, and eventually took me to the hospital. And then my whole family, and praise, <laughs> it's amazing, my brother landed that morning. <laughs> and he lives in Kruger, and he landed that morning. So my whole family was here. And... Like I said, family is very important to me. So, within an hour, my entire family, including Nina, was standing next to my bed in the hospital. They'd all left work, they'd all given up everything else they were doing that day, and it was incredible. I mean, <laughs> that in itself was just like, wow. Um, sorry. Mm. Anyway, so what happened is I got booked off from work for a month and a half. So basically the rest of November and December to come back in January. Praise the Lord. Um, and I started going to counseling. I saw a psychiatrist and it was quite hectic. You've, you've had 2011, you've, you've got engaged, you're going to get married. Um, you thought that... By the, in the beginning of that year, you thought your career was going exactly where you wanted it to go. Um, and you suddenly start questioning all these things. Um, so that month and a half was, it was intense. I remember lying at home at my parents' house. So I went home for a few, few days and I just couldn't even get up. I couldn't, I just didn't want to get up. I didn't want to um, move. <laughs> and... Um, and I knew in the back of my mind that Nina was going to Boston for three and a half months um, at the end of February. So there's all of this going around in my head. And I suppose as a man, you, you, want, to, you want to plan. You want to know what's going to happen. And like I said earlier, that fear that I'd felt in Joburg, suddenly that's back. And you're just like scared of what and how and where and everything. But... My family and Nina and her family from afar and my friends were amazing. I've never felt so much support in my life. It was really, I mean, they were willing to do anything for me. So that was really amazing. Whew, I just need to breathe a bit. So, through this, I saw a psychiatrist until the end of January, and I went back to work in January, and it was, it was quite weird going back to work, because everyone knew that this had happened, and you kind of felt like you were there, and I must, the company paid me throughout that time, I mean, my mom will tell you, I have to, it's legal, um, so, but they really did, and they did phoned me a lot and they did ask if I was fine and they they would have liked me to come back earlier but I think as a family we just and with the doctor we just decided it's not a not a not gonna happen. And through this through this psychi seeing the psychiatrist I basically decided and agreed that this place wasn't for me anymore and I needed to make a career move. Um, I think when you when you get demoralized like that I don't think it's good to hang around um, and but I also 
I didn't want to, I didn't want to just leave on, a wrong, on the wrong foot, and I didn't want to leave weak, if that makes, I wanted to be strong again before I left, and, and I'm really glad that I did do that, so I, by the end of January I was feeling a lot better, I went off the medic medication, um, and, and I was feeling a lot better, and Nina, as I told you, was going to go to Boston, so, um, she went off at the end of February to Boston, and I was on my own. And a lot of people said to me, how was the time? How was it? So done two years in the past separately. But this three and a half months was a godsend. It really was a godsend. And I needed that three months to myself. Um, we chatted every day. We still communicated. and But... It was the most amazing time and I really feel like I needed to go through that before I got married because I needed to just sort things out and um, uh, Nina actually asked me once why why couldn't I do this while she was around and the fact is that I could do it while she was around. The truth is that I could, but God knew that it was better to have her there and to have me here. And a lot of you guys, yeah, prayed and spoke into my life through that time. And I realized, I realized what God, that God is my provider, that God he opens the doors, and there's no one that has control over our lives. No one. Yeah. And I had let that sneak in. I let that creep into to my life. And I had to learn that again. Um, I thought, I, I had learned that. <laughs> but I'd let it slowly, it's like a, like a thorn in the side. Slowly just gets worse and worse. And I relied on myself for way too long. Um, So going through all of that, I, I um, processed a lot, and I still wanted to leave, but I still hung it out, and I stuck it out. And some of you were here, but there was a guy, Julian, who came and spoke at our church, and he prophesied over me. Now, like I said, I've had a lot of people prophesy over me in my life, and... And they've been very powerful moments and very meaningful moments. But from a timing point of view, this prophecy uh, it blew me, <laughs> it blew me away. Um, but it was nice in a way that it was a confirmation. It wasn't something new. So it was a confirmation that I'd already thought of and already, already like gone through in my own mind. And he just, not to go into too much detail of the prophecy, but. He prophesied and basically said, you're an entrepreneur, you're going to run your own businesses, you're going, it's, he said, it's time to step up and it's time to play with the big boys. Um, and there were a whole lot of other things, but, so, so that Sunday night, I wanted to basically resign the next day. <laughs> I was like, this is it, I'm going to resign. Um, but I knew that so this is where a little bit of experience crept in, maybe some age and wisdom, I don't know. Um, I knew that I, 
I needed to chat to Nina, I needed to chat to friends, I needed to chat to family, I needed to process this and not just run into things. I think this was the hardest part of Nina being away um, because it was so dynamic and so powerful that I couldn't share it with her. So there's only so much you can communicate on Skype or on BB chat or like I was, you, those of you that were here, yeah, I, was, I was a changed person it was, and I still am a changed person. So. It really is amazing. Um, anyway, so long story short, eventually got to the point where I really felt at peace the one Monday morning after we, as a church, decided to have a prayer week. And that Monday morning after the prayer, I decided that I'm going to resign that day. And yet again, the world tells you you're getting married. Um, you don't know what you're going to earn. You don't know where you're going to go. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> are you stupid? <laughs> but I knew that God was my provider. And I knew that He was going to come through. So I resigned. And the first day, on that Monday, it, it went so smoothly. It went so well. There were no funny business. And like I said, my CEO can be, my ex-CEO can be quite an odd bloke. And he can be, play a hardball. So I resigned with a month's notice, which was in my contract. Um, and then the next day came, and that's when the curveball came. Because I'd taken six days in total leave in June. So I resigned beginning of June to leave the end of June. And he, this is his chance to get back at me. Um, and he basically said, no, you can't take your leave if you want to leave the end of June. So I was like, no, that's not right. But I thought in my mind, I'm not going to fight this. I chatted to Nina. And you're like, I'm going to get another month's salary. So we basically agreed that I'll leave at the end of July. Um, and I got another month's salary. So I knew I was leaving in my mind. But now, what is amazing is, I must go back a bit. Two months before that, I got asked to run a maintenance division, which I didn't want to do. It was like, I'm going backwards here. I don't want to do this. Um, maintenance. Who wants to run maintenance? But what happened was, in in the, the last month that I was working, they basically asked me to, if I was willing to consult back to them to look after the maintenance division after I've left. So amazing. Um, and basically, that the offer was enough to cover my basic needs from a cost point of view for the month of. Where are we now? August. And um, so I accepted it initially for three months. Long story short, now that's ending middle of September. But then what happened was God opened another door. And um, funnily enough, my CEO's brother-in-law had an office fit out and he was moving. So he phoned me and said, can you look after my office fit out? So boom, more fees, more money. So I was like, okay, God, you're really involved in this. Um, and then a month, the day before, so the end of July, 30th of July, 31st of July, the day, my last day, that same company phoned me and said, listen, what are you doing in August? So I said, no, well, I'm kind of free. I don't have any plans yet. Um, and they basically asked me to help them with an international project 
uh, where it was an international company, I won't go into the detail, but basically I had another consulting job for August. So another amount of money. So basically, August, I earned more than I was earning when I was working for Amdek already. So, um, so go back November last year to now, it's just a new person, new, new, new arena, new... And on top of that, last week, um, I started conversations with this company three months ago, but last week I basically agreed with the company that I'm going to join them, which is basically, for those of you who are in the property industry or know about the property industry, the guy by the name of John Robbie, who basically owns Robbie Property Group, which owns Canal Walk, and he's been in the industry for 35 years, and he um, retired, and he's the majority shareholder of um, Robbie Stull, and he sits on the board. But he retired and then he got bored, so he started a new development company called Signatura. And he's asked me to join him, where I get a small salary, but I get profit share. And I'm still dealing with all of those details, so I'm saying this in faith to all of you because it's not even confirmed. But I just know that God's going to open doors, He's going to provide for me. He has provided me for so far. And. We, we joke about it, or we speak about it in this church of the new normal. But I really feel like, and I was saying this to Luke before tonight, is that we, as Christians, sometimes say we, we're on fire, or we're feeling God's presence a lot lately, or, but I think it's a lie. God is always around. I think it's us. Yeah, yeah that's good. I think... We're the problem. God always wants to bless us. He always wants to open doors. And sometimes it's hard, but He's always available. He's always around. And I think it's when we take our eyes off it, and we run away, and we try to do it ourselves, that we, we fall short. Um, so in summary, God is in the detail and He cares about our plans, our dreams, and our desires. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that God provides, and that He has a far better plan for our lives than we can even imagine. I really hope that my story does encourage you in some way. Um, I think another note is we always, we always, have everything going for us, whether we know it or not. God is continuously opening doors. And my new latest phrase is, I call these moments of delight. Recently, I've often I'll be driving my car, or I'm cycling, or I'm running, or I'm doing whatever, and I just start laughing. And, and I really feel like it's God just, my battery's dying so I've got to finish quickly. Um, I really feel like it's God just, He's opening another door for my life. And He's just, and I don't even know what it is yet, but I'm just laughing because I'm so excited about it. Yeah. 
And I just think that's how we need to live. That's how we need to live our lives. We yeah. just need to know that God has got so much more for us. It's just so exciting. Um, I mean, I was one of those guys that planned five years ahead. Um, and I'm always, I'm still, I, I believe in planning ahead. I believe in planning for retirement. I believe in planning and discussing a family and how you're going to do it and where you're going to go. But I think our plans get in the way of God's. Yeah. Um, I think our planning, our planning is us not trusting in God. Yeah. Sure. I, I often used to like try and make a plan before I didn't have a money, a money coming in or a salary coming in or something. And I'd phone a friend or get a small job here. And recently I've just been feeling I don't need to do anything. And I know that sounds weird, but I, I haven't done anything in the last two months. God has just done it. He just opened the doors. And that's how He wants us to live. I think... I'm open for change. I'm open for new ideas. I'm open for whatever God's going to do. I'm open for what Nina's got planned for Nina and myself. Um, it's such an exciting stage to go into. And I'm, I'll be honest, I have lots to be thankful and a lot to look forward to. I'm getting married this month. And, but I don't want to ever move from the space. I don't want to ever get out of this and that's what I want for all of you. Um, I think just to finish off, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not religious. I have a personal relationship with Him, and it is such an amazing journey of learning, listening, and stepping out in faith. And I think my question to you guys today, who wants to start this journey? today who wants to step out in faith who wants to trust him more so that is my story and I'm very impressed I hold some tears back there I'm going to invite Cal to come stand up here with me so we're going to do something different now but like I said, when I started is, I want tonight to be about goodness. I want tonight to be about Jesus. I want tonight to be about what He's done and what He's going to do. And we just, that red carpet, I want to come back to that. Who, who's got a red carpet and they know it's in front of them and they're not walking on it? Because you need to walk on that red carpet. I was, I went to, yeah, it was Nina's birthday yesterday, and um, it was the most amazing day, topped off with a seven course wine pairing evening, and I'm telling you this because it, 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 it was like heaven, <laughs> it was amazing, the tastes, the wine, but it comes back to that red carpet. God has got good things for us. He's only got good things for us. He wants us to live in His abundance. He wants us to live. And it's not doesn't mean that we... 
Like I said, it doesn't mean that we don't plan and we just throw it all away. But it just means that you don't put your trust in yourself, put your trust in God. So why don't you all stand? And I'm going to hand over to Kel, so that's me. Thanks. Thanks, Brad, for that Comrades Marathon. It's, uh, how many years? It's what? Ten years. Ten years in two, years. in two hours. Not bad. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Almost. Sorry. Nah. Yeah. Let's, before we thank God for what he's shared through Brad, thank you, Father, for Brad. Just this yeah. amazing thing you've been doing over so many years that we've been together. We just love your heart. That's in him. We affirm you as a as a man who is worthy to be followed and a man who is worthy to be married to Nina. Mm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> three weeks. Mm. And a man who is worthy of the wealth of heaven. Yeah. Just declare that. You're wise and you will be. Mm. The Lord trusts you. Yes. Yeah, so thank you for the blessing that Brad is in our lives, God, in this community. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Just, I really encourage all of you to take the sincere, authentic spirit that Brad shared his life with us tonight and do this with each other often. Just honor God for the things that you've, that you've been through and uh, the things that we don't know about yet. Just share them. Just have time to listen. So good, Bruce. So thank you, really. It's just so good that this um, vulnerable, authentic heart that you carry is unlocking something, I feel, for all of us going forward. Yeah. So we felt like we wanted to declare a few things. And I, I, before we start to drink of God and sing this song. I just want to say that on Wednesday night, Brad asked me to announce, Brad and Luke are running the home groups. It's the Wednesday night meeting is at 7. Culture of Honor DVD that they're watching. So come, there's a fire and some coffee. And uh, dinners, I think it's a bring and share or something. You, yeah, you bring and share. Um, and then, before we pray into Brad's things, I feel like just three, four, three or four things that I want us to pray for. I don't know we've gone on long, but that's fine because that's what we do here. Um, firstly, we've got Julian coming next week to visit us. And I, I feel like even if he doesn't come and preach, we just t- let's just take a moment just to lift him up before God. We thank you so much, God, for Jules and the, the role he's been playing in all of our lives. And we honor him and we, we, we love your heart that's in him and we pray that you would bless him in this week of holiday here with us and in the city now bring him to us but just bless him God and continue to just grow the sweet thing that you've been putting on his on in his heart uh, for us as a church that we'd be a blessing to him so if there's thoughts that you have for Jules he's here this week just speak them out and if you want to be in touch with him ask us for his details really feel like we need to be a blessing in a place of 
a home place for him, a safe place and a place that just loves and accepts all the time and just financial support as well. I feel like some of us need to start being more proactive in just blessing him and sending him on, on holidays and it's really building into his life more. And then also let's pray for Ben and Steph. Just we, we thank you Father for the blessing that, they, that Ben was and Steph was indirectly here. We just pray Ben's in London. We've been talking a lot this week. We just pray, Father, that you would pour out your Spirit on him more than ever before. Fill him with an energy and a joy of your salvation. Just a love. We thank you for the, the deposits that he's put on us. This teaching and your heart that's in him. We pray that it, as well that there'd be a special thing that you birth between us and us as a church with them. And that you'd bless them beyond what, they, what they've seen. That you'd grow the thing that, that's in them. Yeah, and I pray that all the stuff that they saw, that he saw and experienced here, he'd carry it well and it would be easy for him to articulate and unlock in his community and that he would become a, a church planter. So we speak that over them and we bless them. And then we, we lift up the youth of Woodstock, God. It's the thing that's been on our hearts. We had a meeting about two weeks ago as a church just to begin to dream up what we're going to do next. Continue to stir our hearts, Father. We, just, we thank you for Pabushka, who's leading the meeting tonight, and Manny that's here. We, just, we thank you for the young people that you've given us, and we know that, that we will be faithful, and we, we ask for your leading, your, your energy, your direction over all of us as we take the right steps in discipling and blessing and being a safe place it, through education and different things. Just unlock... Make us, make us a resource place that sends people to good schools. Yeah, make us, uh, make us a blessing to the young people of Woodstock. And then, yeah, we pray over this building, God, that you would, that you'd give it to us. That uh, you'd release the funds. So I, I wanted to make another call tonight for you guys. We have a building fund. And we need to start to sow seeds into it together in faith for the, uh, for the ownership of the building. And we thank you, Father, for the, the wild dream of owning the building and owning more than this building to put in our hearts. And we love how you make us go beyond ourselves. So we depend on you, Father, and we, we just ex we're excited for what you've seen and what you've envisioned over the space. And, over what it's going to be in Woodstock. Just, it's so huge, God. It's, it's so good. Just let that blow your minds for a moment. This, this significance and the just enormity of the Altona Hotel in its full glory, in His glory, since 1902, is being restored again into being this beacon of hope, one of the first things birthed in Woodstock and being one of the centerpieces of the, the glory of God in this place. Complete place of restoration and hope. Yeah. And then uh, just kind of pouring these things out as well, just to declare in faith with all of you that Gary is going to get free from alcohol. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. We dropped him off at the Ark on Monday, um, rehab center, and it's just been so good. We went to visit him three times this week. If anyone wants to go visit him, get in touch with me. I'll tell you how to get there. Or we'll go together. He's missing all the girls. Um, 
he reckons he's, yeah, he needs chicks because he hasn't had anyone to talk to. <laughs> so, yeah, we just, we love your heart that's in him. And we declare your purpose over him to preach in these streets. Yeah. Yeah, we thank you for your gift of communication, speech that's on him. And we declare it for your purposes, for your kingdom. Right now, just overcome Gary, your spirit, Lord. Pour out yourself on him, all the good things that you have for him. Give him confidence and faith and courage to stand and to continue to, to have sight of something that's not alcohol. Of himself living free and in your love and completely satisfied by who you are. Yeah, thank you, Father. Yeah, there's been so many good things. As Brad said, we declare your goodness again, God. You are so good. There's so many good things that you're doing. We love how good you are to us, God. How you've been showing us in the last few years that you never, never anything other than good. That you are goodness itself, Father. And that we are inside of goodness. That we live from goodness and for it and are of it. Yeah, by your spirit, we, we unlock some new careers here this evening. In light of what Brad's been speaking and the, and the thing that's, that's happened there, we, we speak some new job opportunities, place new, new places of work, new financial prosperity. Anything I say resonates with you. Take it, as Louis says. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So, Father, thank you for this evening. You've been so good. You poured out yourself on Brad over the 10 years and you've ministered to him. And it's been such a blessing to be with him and to see your life on him. And we love your life that's on us and with us. We're never outside of you. We love the revelation you've been pouring on us about humanity being forgiven. So just unlock that right now. And we're going to sing the song. That was the thought that we, that we had for this evening, that as when Brad had finished, we were just going to speak this thing of humanity stands forgiven and let it wash over us and take us forth and propel us into being persuaders, being great persuaders of our friends and uh, of, of people of, towards the love of the Father that's already over their lives. Yeah, and I feel we need to be more accountable to each other and make sure that we live aware and absolutely certain 
of the goodness of God that's on us. And that's the, the thing we need to be accountable to. Just hold that up between each other. That, that, that we can't stoop low and expect anything less than goodness.
Jesus, amen. Thank you, Jesus, amen.